1: Over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Take it over. Let's
0: join Bishop Kevin J. Foreman. Take, Take over. It over. Take it over. Take it over. Lift your Bible high. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living Word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared. To receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Shout it like you mean it. I am. Hallelujah. One scripture, if you would, Galatians 5. You already saw it there on the trailer, Galatians 5. Again, we welcome those at all of our campuses today. We're excited that you're worshiping with us. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. We're in our series, the gospel. We're in week 2. Liberated. Say that with me. Liberated. I'm going to read out of the amplified version of the scripture. I normally read New King James. I'm going to read Amplified today. It says, in this freedom, Christ has made us free and completely liberated us. Uh, That means there's nothing that has the power to hold me unless I let it. Stand fast then and do not be hampered and held, ensnared, and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you have once put off. I want you to encourage somebody next to you and say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I'm completely and totally liberated. Father, you hear me because you always do. I pray that over these next few moments, you'd customize, tailor-make this word, God. Speak through a human being, but do what you can do, which is take human words and have them to have spiritual meaning. That each individual that is under the sound of my voice at whatever campus they're at, they'd hear this word, and they'd believe it was customized, tailor-made, just for them, as if there was a camera in their house last week. Show them that you are God that is concerned even about everything going on in their lives and we thank you for it now in Jesus name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. High five somebody as you take your seat say liberated 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 liberated. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We started last week talking about how the gospel is a person say that the gospel is a person. Uh, We learned last week that Jesus is the gospel. He and what he says are one. He is his word. He is the gospel. So that means in this series that as I'm teaching you, every time I say uh, the phrase the gospel, that is tantamount or the equivalency of saying Jesus. Say it with me again. Jesus is the gospel. Now, we learned last week that the gospel means good news. And I don't know about you, but I've had enough bad news in my life to be to welcome some good news. You got enough people telling you what you can't be, what you're not going to be, how you're not going to make it, what's not going to happen for you. I'm glad, though, that there's a book that God wrote just for me. No, you're not here. He wrote it just for me to encourage me and let me know, while there may be a lot of bad news out there, I got some good news for you. Tell somebody, say there's some good news. Now, Jesus, Jesus gives us his own definition of the gospel in Luke chapter 4. I want you to flip that real quick, Luke chapter 4, because I want you to see Jesus' definition of the gospel. Jesus, he is the gospel, and, and Jesus teaches the gospel. He and his word are one. So what he says is who he is, and who he is is what he says. That's why everywhere Jesus went, atmospheres change and people that were blind could begin to see, and things began to happen for people. Because wherever the gospel shows up, there's getting ready to be a change in the atmosphere. You didn't hear what I said. That means then whenever Jesus shows up, there's getting ready to be a change in the atmosphere. And I'm here to tell you before I get through today, you may have walked in here with some chains on, but I'm gonna tell you by the time I get through with this today, you're gonna walk out fully liberated, no hand ca- you- Jesus gives his own definition in Luke chapter 4. Look at verse 18. This is his definition of the gospel. This is his expostulation of the great gospel. Luke 14 verse 18 or Luke 4 verse 18 says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach me to the poor. I says the gospel will remember that's the equivalent of saying Jesus. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. The the, the gospel is everything antithetical to a situation that you're in that is not from God. Let me me break it down and say it to you another way. Uh, The gospel is the antidote to every problem you got. Every issue you face, there is an answer and the answer is called the gospel. And the gospel is named Jesus. Are you still here? He says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, what possibly could be the good news to the poor to tell them you're going to continue to be poor? Oh, certainly not. The gospel to the poor was you ain't got to be poor no more. Now, it's not just talking about money there. It's talking about any level of where there is lack or where there is poverty, because I've met people that are poor that had a lot of money because they were poor emotionally. I've met people that were uh, very rich emotionally, but they were very broke financially. Well, that's still poor. Then I met folk that had a lot of money, but they didn't have no spirituality, and so they're still poor too. So any way you find yourself being poor, Jesus says you ain't got to be poor no more. I-, I know that's not appropriate English, and I know we're a little bougie in Denver, but would you mind touching somebody next to you and tell them you ain't got to be poor no more? You ain't got to be. You ain't got to be poor no more. goes on to say he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. and I don't know about you but I've had some times in my life where my heart has been broken I've been betrayed and I've been I've been let down and disappointed by people and the truth of the matter is is we try to go to somebody else to try to make up for what the last did and we try to go fix a problem that was created by a person with another person to only find out that people can't fix what they didn't make Jesus says the only antidote to a broken heart is the gospel. It is not finding you a new boo. It is not finding you a new this and that. The only antidote to having a broken heart man is finding the gospel. And when I find him, I find it says to proclaim liberty to the captives. I want you to pay close attention to that word liberty because it is not the uh, last time we're going to hear it in Jesus definition of the gospel. What we're talking about this week is liberty and real liberty is only found in the gospel. You may have thought you were free while you were out in the world doing your own thing to only find out that you were really serving a hard taskmaster named Satan. And he was such a good taskmaster, you were serving him and didn't even know you were serving him. You thought you were free doing your own thing to only find out there was some puppet behind the strings that was controlling you and making you act crazy. But aren't you glad that when you find Jesus, he cuts the strings off, he says, he says, he says to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. It's very interesting that Jesus uses the word recovery and he does not uh, set the stage as if a person was going to be seeing for the first time which then tells us he wasn't just talking about literal blindness. He was talking about blindness in the spirit. He was talking about blindness emotionally. What, what, what us is. He, he, he was talking about losing vision for your life. Recovery of sight to the blind. To recover is to regain something I once had. Uh, Watch this I know you haven't but your neighbor has been in places in their life where they have lost their vision for their lives they've lost their passion for living they've lost their zeal for living and so they wake up they're like a zombie they wake up in the morning and they go through their routine and they come home and they go through their routine and they go to bed and then they wake up the next day and they go through the same routine they lost their vision for their life and Jesus says the only way you're going to get passion for your life back is not through 12 steps it's not through tony robbins it's not through deepak Chopra, but it's through the gospel of jesus christ that's the only way you get vision for your life that's the only way you can restore passion for your life are you still with me then he goes on he says to set at there that word liberty is again liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord Years ago, there was a movement in the body of Christ where people would go around and they'd say and they got bumper stickers and they had t-shirts saying, this is my year. And at the end of watch night and New Year's services, people would say, this is my year. To only get to the end of that year to discover that that year wasn't a year. Not for what they had envisioned for it. The problem is, is not that they were inaccurate, but they were incomplete. See, uh, in the gospel, uh, there is no certain time that becomes my time. The moment I came out of my mama's womb, it became my time. And it became my season. Which means, I'm not waiting on 2012 or 2013. Every year I'm living is the acceptable year of the Lord. Which means, it's my year right now. Look at somebody say says your year right now. Yes. Every year is the acceptable or the favorable year of the Lord, which means if I'm waiting on some big bang to happen, I'm gonna be holding my breath for a very long time. Yes. This is the acceptable, the favorable year of the Lord for you. Do you believe that? Yes. He goes on. Look at verse 20. I love Jesus because Jesus, he was. He was While he was merciful and kind and gracious and meek and humble and all of that, he was also very matter-of-fact. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't hold punches. He didn't split hairs. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. Jesus was very matter-of-fact, so much so that Jesus, he walks up, and he begins to give his definition, his expostulation of what the gospel is. And once he's done, because he's reading out of the book of Isaiah, once he's done, he closes the book, gives it back to the attendant verse 20 and he sits down in, in essence Jesus was saying when the gospel is preached there's nothing more to be said but Bishop, what are you trying to say why do you keep consulting everything but God about your life Why do you keep calling everybody to get their co-signing and their opinion about your life when the gospel has already been preached concerning your life? If you're looking for co-signers, you're going to be waiting a long time. Jesus, he preached the gospel, he closes the book, and he sat down. Look at the last part of verse 20. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. this Once the gospel is preached, all eyes should be on him. But now, now here's what's interesting, though, because him is really an it. See, the gospel is Jesus. Got it. He he is the word. John chapter one, the word became flesh and the word dwelt among us and so on and so forth. He is the walking, talking, living, breathing word at the same time while he's a him he's also an it. What's the it bishop? The gospel. So once the gospel is preached, all eyes should be on him. It because many people meet the person Jesus him, but they never are introduced to the principle of Jesus. It the person of Jesus will save you from hell. Good. But the principle of Jesus will keep you from living in hell. On earth. You, you miss what I'm saying. Uh, the person of Jesus will be the friend that's closer than a brother, but the principle of Jesus will create a brand new spiritual family for you. See, 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 many people know the person Jesus, they never meet the principle of Jesus because you can know a person but never know what a person stands for. And if you don't know what a person stands for, then you have no clue what you're getting into when you yoke up with them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So now watch this. Watch this. The second second part of the gospel after identity is getting a revelation of your liberation. Say, I am liberated. liberated. Uh, this? When the gospel is preached, I should be on it. Not my past. Not my issues. Not my nuances. Not my idiosyncrasies. Not my proclivities. None of that. When the gospel is preached, my eyes should be on him, it. Or it, him. Because it be him. It is him. Him is it. Him be it. I know that is not right English. Say liberated now I want you to see this Uh, we are not saying liberate liberate would be present tense and would suggest you walked in here a prisoner the problem with that is the scripture says when I become a believer in Jesus Christ and hear me and hear me well I don't care what campus you're at if you're in the video cafe by the time you leave this worship experience you're going to be a believer But now watch this. We are not getting ready to be liberated. Liberated is past tense, which means I am currently liberated. Most people's problem is they don't know what they've been liberated from. So they walk around living like prisoners and living like slaves because they have not yet got a revelation of their liberation. Are you still here? The first thing, the first thing that we have already been liberated from, it is also the first definition of the word liberated through the gospel. It means to free from combination with. To free from combination with. Literally, the definition means, it it was a chemistry context, that in chemistry, uh, you take a little bit of this, a little bit of this, five cc's of this, 15 cc's of this, and you put it together, and you create a new concoction which becomes an experiment. Literally, the first definition of liberated means to go in and take out each ingredient that is no longer necessary for the main ingredient to stand. I, I need you to get that, because the first thing we've been liberated from, hear me, Harvest, is we've been liberated from the world. I yes. say, Bishop, what do you mean liberated from the world? How, we, we live in the world. What, what are you trying to say? We need to move and go to Mars or something? No, 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 not at all. Go to First John chapter 2. Let me show you what I mean. First John chapter 2. We've been liberated from the world. Liberated from the world. First John chapter 2, verse 15. You got it? If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. Once again, if you are by maps, you went a little too far. Verse 15, look what it says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, well, watch this, he tells you what exactly the world is. Because a lot of times people say, well, we're in the world, not of the world, but they have no clue what that means. They think that that means they're supposed to be weirdos and sit in their cubicle all day and look weird. No, no, no. He tells you what the world is. The world is the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? The lust of the flesh says, if it feels good, do it. Do you know the church of Satan, there's literally a church of Satan, they are called Satanists. Do you know that they do not worship Satan? Even they're not foolish enough to know that he's to be worshipped. Bishop, why are you saying that? Because some believers give more credit to Satan than they do to God. Because every time they run their mouth and every time they're talking, they're talking about, oh, the devil this and the devil this and the devil that. Every time you give him credit for something, do you know you are worshipping him? Even Satanists don't worship Satan. Satanists worship themselves. So when it says the lust of the flesh, lust is a word in Greek just means strong desire. Lust within itself is not bad. It depends on what is being lusted or desired after. So he says the lust of the flesh, whatever feels good to me, I, 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 I can't do that. Now, the world says do it because it feels good. But the gospel says don't do it because while it may feel good, it's going to have a bad outcome. Then he says the lust of the eyes. What are the lust of the eyes? The lust of the eyes are everything I see I want. The, the lust of the eyes say I can get I need to get all I can, and then I need to can all I get. The lust of the eyes will have you buying stuff you have no business buying. The lust of the eyes will have you in debt up to your eyeballs because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And what you don't understand is, is they don't really got it either. The lust of the eyes will make you look at somebody else's life and say, I want that, I want this, I want that. But the problem is you have no clue the price they had to pay to acquire or walk in what it is that they're walking in. So you may see people's glory, but you need to understand there's a story behind that glory and then he says the pride of life what is the pride of life the pride of life gives us an entitlement it makes us think we deserve something the pride of life will keep us from apologizing to somebody when we should the pride of life will keep us out of church when we should be because we'll think to ourselves well I don't want to go until I get things right and the problem is is that's completely antithetical to the gospel because the gospel says come to me just as you are now now the the gospel says once you get here don't plan on staying the way that you are because the gospel will be to shape you and change you, but the pride of life will say, "Don't you go to that church? You ain't right." And that's the world. The world will tell, "No, nah, man, I ain't going to church. I ain't gonna get struck down." Can I tell you something? If God wanted to strike you down, can I tell you something about God? Baby, you wouldn't be here. He didn't have to wait for you to get in here to get you. He could have got you right out there while you was in the club backing it up. You're not hearing what I'm saying. It's the world that will tell you God can't. Love you, but it's the gospel that says, "However I am, I'm going to come, and I'm going to let Him work me over. I'm going to let Him take my issues." I-. It's the pride of life that 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 will cause you to be arrogant, and it will cause you to fall out with people. That's what the world says to do, but as believers. We are liberated from trying to please the world. And we are here to please God. See, because the world will tell you, can I make it a little bit more pragmatic? The world will tell you if you're a single person, well, what's wrong with you? Why you ain't got nobody? Why, why are you still single? You, you, you too old to be single. Folk in your family say, when are you going to bring me some grandbabies? And when are you going to do this? And when are you going to do that? That's the world trying to make you fit a mold. Okay, I guess that was too real right there. See, the world will tell you if you're single, you need to get somebody, and if you're with somebody, you need to be single. The world is a schizophrenic. It don't quite know what it will, when it will, because it don't quite know what it is. But I've been liberated from the world, which means if I'm walking by myself, I'm going to enjoy walking by myself. I'm going to take myself to the movie. I'll take myself to dinner. It's cheaper that way anyhow. The world will tell you step on whoever you have to step on to advance your career. But then the scripture says it ought to be God first, it ought to be others second, it ought to be me third. But the word tells you it ought to be me first, me second, me third, me after that, me after that. See, it doesn't have no engine, it just keeps going on being about you. But the gospel will tell me it ain't about me. We've been liberated from self-indulgence because we've been liberated from the world. So next time the world tries to tell you, you know you need to do this, you know you need to do this, you need to look at the world and say, you know I'm free from you. Say that to somebody one time. I promise you, you'll rock the world. You'll be like Wanda from a Living Color. You're going to (laughs) rock the world. Second thing we've been liberated from. Second thing we've been liberated from. Thursday nights, 10.30 p.m. Okay. (laughs) Second thing, second definition, second thing we've been liberated from. It means to free from domination by a foreign power. To free from domination by a foreign power. What what, what does that mean? What, What does that mean? It means we have been liberated from sin. Now, now let, let, let's go ahead and get this straight so we can all get on the same page. Uh, everybody in here got issues. You, mm-hmm, yeah, yes, you right there. You, I'm looking at you, I know, through the camera. You didn't even know I could see it. You have issues. Now, watch this. If you say to yourself, Bishop, I don't have no issues. I'm holy and I've ascended to the high holy hill of the Lord. You just have and prove that you have an issue because first John says if any man says he has no sin, then he's a liar, which means you just sinned, so now you're a sinner. So now you're one of us. We all have issues. So let's establish that so that what you get ready to hear me say, you don't look at it as judgment or condemnation. There is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It is not condemnation. It is rather conviction, which is a good thing. See, God never condemns you. God convicts you. Conviction is about lifting you. Condemnation is about putting you down. God says, I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to lift you up because I created you to be more than where you're living. So we've been liberated from sin. Flip to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. I'm about through. Galatians 5. Galatians 5. We've been liberated from sin. From a foreign power. Galatians 5. And go to verse 13. You got it? It says, you, my brothers. Who's that? Us. We're called to be free. Watch this. But do not use your freedom... To indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Several things in the verse here. Several things in the verse. He says, you're free, but don't use your freedom to indulge. What is he talking about? Grace. God has given us unmerited favor, which is called grace. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's not because you were born in the right family. It's not because when you were growing up, you always went to Sunday school and BTU with your mama now. No, 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 no. Grace has nothing to do with you, everything to do with him. So he says, You've been liberated. You've been given grace. But watch this. He says, Don't use grace as an excuse to indulge in sin. What is he saying there? What is he saying there? Because sometimes there are things that we do and we know we ought not do, but we say to ourselves, well, God knows my heart. And while he does know your heart as Christians, it's not that we're sinless. It's just that we should sin less because we don't have to. You you you, 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 you missed what I just said there. You, you missed that. See, Romans 6.22 teaches us that before we were believers in Jesus, we were slaves to sin. And you didn't even know you were a slave, but sin was telling you what to do, telling you where to go, telling you who to call, telling you. Because, see, sometimes you answer the phone and you know exactly where that phone call is going. Oh, please say amen because I don't want to have to. You know exactly where something was going to take you. And as believers, watch this. It's not that there's going to be one day on earth where we are 100% totally, we don't have no issues. What it is, is as a believer, I ought to not still be struggling with the same sin. Yeah. 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 Not that I'm going to be sinless. I just sin less. And it's not the same one since I've been saved. Okay, now I need you to get this. I need you to get this. I need you to get this because, because you said, Bishop, well, then if we're free from sin, why then does it seem like sometimes we, we we got a lot of sin issues? I'll tell you why. Because people don't have a revelation of their liberation. When sin shows up, you got to look at it and say, I'm free from you, and I don't have to do that. But, okay, let me, let, me, let me say it another way. For you were a believer, sin showed up, you had to do it. Why? Because it was your master. But then all of a sudden, you had a give us us free moment. And you got liberated. And when you told Jesus, I do, he says, now I free you. So when pride shows up, you look at it and say, I don't have to do you. When lust shows up, you say, I don't have to do this. When greed shows up, you say, I don't have to do this. See, when somebody makes you want to cuss them out, you look at them and say, You know what? I don't have to do this. Because I've been. Li- don't you sit in here and look like you ain't had somebody that you wanted to talk to in tongues that they didn't need no interpreter for. But you've been liberated from sin. I don't have to do that. I don't do that. I don't do that. Don't I have to do that. When that ex calls and you know what they call it for, I don't have to do that. I, I ain't got to do that. I, I'm free from pride. I'm free from lust. I'm free from greed. No sin can control me any longer because I've been liberated. Third and final thing. That we have been liberated from. And the final definition or primary definition. It means very generically to set at liberty or to free. Third thing you've been liberated from is from being your own God. Flip to Isaiah 41. I want you to see it. Isaiah 41. You've been liberated. Right now in here, you are liberated. Don't 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 let nobody sell you a bill of goods that tells you anything different. You're liberated. Free. No chains. No chains. I said, no chains. Yeah. Look at this last thing. You got it? Isaiah <clears throat> 41? Look at verse 9. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth. And called from its furthest regions, or uh, 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 us, is. Uh, uh, there's some folk that that got, and really all of us, where God had to pull us from some real far places. No, 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 no. we're gonna take about a 10 second rewind, flashback. Because see, some folk had to be pulled out the crack house. Some folk had to be pulled out the whorehouse. Some folk had to be pulled off the street. Listen, don't you be ashamed of what God had to pull you You got a testimony, man. Some folk had to get pulled out of depression. Some folk had to get pulled out of the depression from an abortion. Some folk had to get pulled out of the throes of an abusive relationship. Some folk had to get pulled out of placing themselves in abusive relationships. Don't you be afraid to tell folk where you've been pulled from. Nothing to be ashamed about because because God says what you don't know about your neighbors, I pulled them from somewhere far too. And ain't no sense in sitting next to them trying to front. Because we both pulled each other. And said to you, you are my servant. And I have chosen you and have not cast you away. I don't know about you, but, but the fact that God could have thrown me away should have thrown me away, but he didn't throw me away, makes me have to shout and makes me, you see, maybe you've been real good since you've been saved, but I think there's a few witnesses in the room that have said, even since I've been saved, I had some stuff and God should have threw me out and he, but he didn't, he should have let you die in that accident, but he didn't. He should have let you blow your brains out when you were sitting there spitting that gun, but he didn't. He should have let you take that razor and cut your wrist, but he didn't because he said this day I have chosen you. I've chosen you. Touch your neighbor said you've been chosen. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Look what he says. Look at what he says. Verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Watch this. For I am your God. Now the Bible is an interesting book because it is, scripture teaches us the inspiration, divine inspiration by God. Everything in the scripture uh, was God speaking something that was important. Everything God says, even from the articles, the A, the N's, and the D's, all of that was important. It was quintessential. It was crucial for you and I's understanding. So God doesn't put anything in the Bible just to put it there. It has a specific reason. Now, for him to say, for I am your God, it insinuates and suggests, and in fact, it does prove that until he said that who he was talking to had another God that wasn't him. In fact, Romans chapter 1, you can read it in your own time says that God's wrath or God's punishment to man it was not throwing them in some deep hell no it it wasn't it wasn't striking them with lightning it it wasn't making them get a disease no God's wrath Romans one teaches us was giving people over to their own debased and old King James says reprobate mind which means they would become their own God and do what was right in their own eyes problem problem is is every action whether I think it's right or not has a corresponding reaction And I think there's some of us that learned when we were our own God that our actions always produce crazy reactions. Every time you thought you had everything figured out, you found out you didn't quite know what you thought you knew. So watch this. The verse now he says, for I am your God. Which means God says when you become a believer, you are relieved from command of having to be the captain of your life. Let me say it another way. When you become a believer, you are relieved from doing my job. Before you were a believer, you were responsible for being your own God, your own provider, finding your own peace, getting your own joy, fighting your own battles. But since I became a believer and since I got a revelation of my liberation, I've been liberated, which means I'm not my own provider anymore. He is my Jehovah Jireh. I don't have to fight my own battles anymore. He is the Lord of hosts, Lord that does battle for me. I am relieved from having to figure out how. I just have to obey the man. You're relieved from having to figure out the hows in your life. That's what a God does. God, generically, it means deity. It means divinity. It means source. It means strength. It means resource. It means it encompassed within itself is the ability to do or have. It is like the Greek word we see, exousia, which means authority. It is like the Greek word we see, dudamus, which means power. To be God is to be a lot. And God says, before you were a believer, you had to be your own a lot. (laughs) But when you became a believer, I became your God. I became your source. I became your provision. I became your comforter. a matter of fact, he even tells you, don't you worry about trying to find joy because your joy is going to come out of my strength. And since he's always strong, that means I always got me some joy. The joy of the Lord. Problem, no. Problem. We've been liberated from the world. Liberated from sin. Liberated from being our own God. So then the question arises, and it's a fair question. The question arises, then, Bishop, why are so many saints living like slaves? Why, why are so many saints walking around when we're supposed to have the victory, the victory? And it seems that we have nothing but woe and weeping and lament. It's in the first verse we read. Look at Galatians 5. Look at verse 1. We've been liberated from these things. Here's the one issue, though, we got to do, though. You ready? Ready? Galatians 5, 1, look at the B part of the verse. Look at this. And do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit. Watch this. Again. You, 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 you missed it. He says, and do not be hampered and held ensnared and submit again to a yoke of slavery which you once put off. Now, yoke, uh, yoke in scripture, yoke in scripture. Uh, Every uh, Jewish rabbi would say to his disciples, to his uh, students, to his pupils, uh, when the student was at a certain level, he would say to them, take my yoke upon you. Uh, His yoke referred to his doctrine or his approach to the scriptures or his viewpoint of life, his lesson. Are you here? So he says, don't you become entangled again. See, before you were a believer, you were messed up with that stuff. After you're a believer, you're liberated from that stuff. There's no special prayer we're going to pray at the end of the worship experience that's going to make you free. When you say, Jesus, I do, he says, I free you. There's one thing, though, that we have to do every day, and that's remind ourselves that we've been liberated. Uh, th- th- there is a word, there is a word called feral, F-E-R-A-L. It refers to now, uh, uh, children that were raised around dogs, particularly raised around wolves. And in them being raised around wolves and dogs, even though they were human beings, they were conditioned to believe that they were like everything that was around them. See, when you came out of your mother's womb, the enemy had a target on you to put some circumstances and situations around you. To condition you to thinking that you were no better than what you were raised around. And so, since your body didn't have it, then you can't have it. And since your mama was like this, then you're going to be like this. But Jesus says, if any man be in me, all things have passed away. And behold, all things have been made new. Which means that. Then we are liberated, but every day you've got to remind yourself that you're free. Because every day you're going to be bombarded with things that are going to make you take on the yoke, the, the doctrine, the belief that you're a slave to the world, a slave to sin, or you got to be your own God. Let me prove it to you. Can I prove it to you? Can I prove it to you? Can I prove it to you? you? This this, this is a special bonus point. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. If you stress out about money, it's because you forgot to remind yourself your last name ain't Jaira. If you stressed out about bills, it's because you need to remind yourself I am not my God anymore. And I have never, ever, Seen the righteous, forsaken, nor his seed, begging bread. So I refuse to worry about it. Since he never sleeps, no slumber, ain't no sense in both of us being up all night. Every day, I got to remind myself, I've been liberated. Not getting ready to be free. Not going to turn around in three days and be free. Not going to touch five folk and get free. I'm free right now. And every time the world shows up and says, you ought to do this, you ought to be this, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. I'm going to look the world square in the eye and say, I'm liberated from that. When sin shows up and say, come on, let's do this, come on, let's do it. I look at sin square in the eye and say, I've been liberated from you. And when the temptation to want to be my own God shows up, I look at it and I say, I've been liberated from you.
1: Hey, Cricket customers, Max with ads is included with your Cricket $60 unlimited plan at no additional cost. Max is the streaming platform where you can watch Scoob, Meg 2 The Trench, The Nightmare on Elm Street Collection, and so much more. Remember
0: me. Just log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. We've never seen this before. Max, the one to watch for a good scream with Cricket. Phone plan, streams, in standard definition. Programming subject to change. Fees, terms, and restrictions apply. See cricketwireless.com for details.